Hello, listeners. This is Den Rock with the Borderlands podcast. This will be episode three uh, featuring my friend Chris Reese. Chris is a nurse by trade, but uh, his area of interest is fitness and running and swimming and biking and marathons, triathlons, weightlifting, all kinds of physical nonsense that I never could ever get into. Um, and we're going to pick his brain today. Uh, I want you all to welcome my friend Chris Reese. All right, Chris, your mic should be on. Test, test. Test, test. Test, all right. So welcome to episode three. Episode Can you three. believe there's only been two people before you? I can't believe I wasn't number one. Well, uh, can I invoke the because COVID thing? I mean, is that still valid? I'll let you slide on it. But I was pleased to hear that. Get a little closer to that mic. I was pleased to hear that it was uh, Borderlands. Podcast. Yeah, and actually, you got to talk into the front. See where the logo is on the front of the mic. And I need to fix my mic. Yeah, Chris is, uh, he may be a nurse, and he may be able to uh, knock it out of the park on a bike and transition to running and swimming and all that shit, but doesn't have a clue with the mic. Is this good? You're talking to it. Is this better? It, yeah, that's better, but look at his sinking. Tighten that shit up. Uh, I feel like we're in a bad adult film. No, so that's that's <laughs> loosening. I know. Okay. I was trying to raise yeah. it. I wish we should have uh, video concurrent with this. No, we should not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not even uh, a half an ounce into the bourbon yet, huh? And then there's a knob like right in front of the mic. You can like so tilt it towards me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All oh, right. that's going to be perfect. Dude. This is good. Yeah. Sounds better. So, you know, what? I'm, I can't figure this out because on the way here, I had to swim for Pole Creek. I also Ooh. biked up Fifth Street Hill. For Pole Creek. Like, Clearly, you could find a better place to train. Well, I was trying to get here. There's only mm -hmm. one route, so I had to make you know the trifecta of the triathlon. So I had to swim, <laughs> and I biked up the hill. <laughs> had to transition over to art galleries, and I oh, ran Oh, I see. You're pulling my leg. I thought you were seriously training because <laughs> you, the way I remember it, you were doing that shit every single day of the week, basically, yes. and working uh, air quotes full time. <laughs> Well, well, that's that's air quotes so that is that is something that's fascinating i was thinking of that when uh you asked me to do this i was trying to figure out the the, the way i trained uh initially um so when i first got into this was uh i think 2015 and uh have a good friend mark muth um he got me into um triathlon because what I, my passion is is mountain biking i mm -hmm. love mountain biking mm -hmm. I would go to snowshoe on the weekends. I do downhill mountain biking. I went up northeast, um, went up to Vermont, New Hampshire, did mountain biking there every summer. It was a lot of fun. And then I got involved with the Huntington Triathlon group. <laughs> um, there's a local club, huh? There is. So, uh, yeah. Um, actually, there's a local, we'll talk about that in a little bit too, but uh, Tri Mafia, which reaches, actually, it's a global club. Mm hmm. Um, with this, you know, it goes with triathlon, Ironman, things like that. But so 2015, I was kind of transitioning into doing something different. And um, before that, I'd run like a mile, maybe a mile a, a day or a week. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of running, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Neither am I. So, so cycling. <laughs> Surprisingly enough. Right. So cycling was always my passion. 
You know, I always wanted to cycle. Um, I loved it. I, I did a few century rides on the side just for fun. Century meaning it was 100, 100 miles? 100 miles. Or kilometers, miles? Miles, yes. Okay. Um, what we would do, there was um, a ride. It was from Columbus to Portsmouth, Ohio. Uh, Columbus. Uh, so we would start there, ride down uh, to Portsmouth. It was called the uh, Tosser or Tour of the Scioto River Valley. Hmm. Um, and every summer we would actually it wasn't even in the summer. It was during mother's around mother's day. We'd always do this ride and that's about all the road biking I did. I was like, I don't want to road bike because it's road biking and it's boring straight line, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, I got into running. Um, I ran my first, uh, I think it was 2015, ran my first half marathon that year at Marshall mm-hmm. um, university ran that, uh, felt pretty good. And then the following year, that was the first year that Mark was doing his full distance Ironman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went with him kind of like his handler. I would help him with all his stuff. You know, I was grabbing bikes and, you know, carrying uh, shoes and yeah, I was cleats that. or whatever the hell you call those clip in things. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so I didn't realize that. Um, I was going to, I wanted to walk this back a little bit. So mm-hmm. I've known you for a number of years. Um, I, I knew you somewhat, you know, before I went into my professional field, uh, you're, you're a few years younger than me, but I think I knew you <clears throat> as an acquaintance of a brother or two of mine, mm-hmm. knew you played high school football locally. Mm-hmm. Um, then I left Huntington to train for, uh, for my profession, came back and worked alongside you, uh, you being a nurse in the recovery room. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, all this time I knew that you were an active person, physically fit into sports, working out, whatever. And I can remember like for, for since forever ago, making fun of you, you know? And of course I did that because I, I do not work out and I, I'm not very physical. Um, but I can almost remember the, the, not the day or the week, but like the month or the year, like when you transition to this, like you got serious, Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, but I didn't realize that it was Mark Muth first. I thought you pulled Mark into this. Oh no, 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 no. So Mark, he's the kind of guy who gets an itch, and if he gets an itch, he really <laughs> goes for it. And um, he honestly, I think the story he tells me how he got into this goofy stuff. He was in the pool swimming, um, I think the rec center, Marshall Rec Center, mm-hmm. and another guy, um, a colleague of ours, uh, Torn Walters. Well, he was. He was also swimming, and it was, like, coincidental that both of them were training for the same event. And he was like, I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. No, actually, Torn, take it back, Torn said, I'm going to do the full. Because Mark was like, I think I'm just going to do the half. And Torn said, well, I'm going to do the full, so you should do the full. So he's like, I can probably do a full. So, <laughs> so he started training for the full. Well, then that's when it's kind of like a family now they're the, the group that's in Huntington, the, the triathletes that I'm friends with are also kind of like an athletic family. Uh, we train together. Yeah. Uh, we race together. Um, we go out of town together we, you know, have a great time, uh, going to races together. Um, but yeah, so Mark, Mark, uh, he, so he pulled me into it. Um, he knew I liked to bike. He hated biking. Hated. He liked mm-hmm. running a lot more. He still does. Since then, he's eclipsed everything because he's, you know, that's what he does. But, um, yeah, and swimming. I was like, 
Yeah. Like swim. who does that? Yeah, it's like <laughs> who distance swims? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So that was that was a big uh, mental hurdle for me. Yeah, it was the swimming yeah. part. I was like, I can run, but swimming. I was like, I got to. How does this work? I didn't know what yeah. order it went in. I didn't know <laughs> how long it was. And, mm-hmm. and then I mm-hmm. got involved with this group and and Mark. Yeah, so Mark pulled me in initially. It wasn't yeah. me. It wasn't me. He uh, he uh, yeah. He's a pusher, which mm-hmm. I like. He's mm-hmm. he's a good motivator. Yeah. yeah. Um, gosh, and I need to have him in for an interview one day and probably I could set up like both of you simultaneously oh. in studio, just grab another mic and a headset. Oh, uh, my brother Sam's got an extra, but, uh, cause I like talking about this stuff and I like being an outside observer, uh, you know, as much fun as I've poked at you and him and as much criticism <laughs> I've, I've thrown your way. Like, I think it's awesome what you guys do. And, um, I think anyone who is less healthy and less active probably wishes that they were more like you. Uh, so I wonder what's the transition like, uh, doing mountain biking and then going to, to road biking. Is it, is road road riding easier than, uh, than mountain biking? Yeah. So the way I explain it and I, and I try to tell people when I'm trying to coach them up and tell them how to get into it, mountain biking is in my opinion, Eight miles of mountain bike terrain. It could be our local beach fork. Um, it could be anything. To me, it's equivalent to 50 miles on a road bike. Hmm. If you're really trying and you're not stopping, you know, taking 50 breaks. Are you like pedaling uphill or are you yes. carrying a bike uphill? Oh, no, 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 no. Mostly pedaling. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> and I have an issue with that personally. Uh-huh. So um, this is a personal thing of mine. Now, a lot of people that you, you ride with, which is completely fine, especially in the mountains. They'll get to a, a steep incline and they'll get off and, you know, push it up. But mm-hmm. me mentally, it's, it's almost like it's me versus this incline or me versus this mountain or me versus, I always pit myself against something. And that's why I push and push and push and push to get to the top of that. Because I know at the, at the top, you're at the top and it's downhill after. Yeah. So there's not a lot of, uh, energy spent to go down. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of right. mental and, you know, observational stuff. There's hand-eye coordination, uh, anticipation, you know, reading the actual trail and the surfaces you're on, but there's not, there's not much pedaling going down, right? Not going down, uh, unless you want to, you know, increase your speed, Yeah, but definitely hand-eye coordination. Um, you know, a lot of lower body, a lot of, uh, you, you're, you're out of the saddle, you're navigating the trail, picking your line and, and that's and that to me was fun, and then if you go to downhill mountain biking where you have jumps, you know you have drops, you Ooh. have it's bigger bikes, bigger terrain, um, less pedaling, but at the same time, in people's mind that don't do it, they think that just because you're going down, you're not getting as tired, but you're actually getting more tired because you're using every accessory muscle you have. Yeah. Like probably like upper body and core oh, every, is getting worked like crazy. Everything. Cause you lower your seat all the way down. Mm-hmm. So you don't sit. So you're constantly just, you know, banging around on a trail uh, going down. If it's the, you know, the runs a mile long, whatever it is. And yeah, that stuff. So mountain biking to me, for one, the bikes are heavier. Um, mm-hmm. You're wearing more gear. You have usually a pack on, you know, in case you break down. You got to have your stuff. It's in your pack. You got your, your camel pack. You got your, you know, water, Gatorade, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So if you transition over to road biking, you're wearing spandex. Yeah. And a helmet. <laughs> and that's it. Aren't you wearing the special spandex with that pad well, uh, around your taint, whatever you call it? It is. It's a, it's a <laughs> <laughs> like got the taint protector. <laughs> Actually, there's a funny one. Um, one of my uh, Michelle, uh, Mark's wife. She <laughs> the other day she's like, "Hey, man, you know what? I go cycling. I wear my pillow pants." <laughs> and I was like, "You wear your what?" And she said, "Yeah, pillow pants." And apparently, it's from a movie. She's going to kill me, but I don't remember the reference to the movie that she showed me. But anyway, but I laughed so hard about the pillow pants. I can't believe, with your mind, you forgot a movie reference. You're the you're the person that can recite like every line from the Hot Tub Time Machine or I, I can't do some that. all kinds of these obscure films. Know, you can't remember this one. It'll oh, come gosh. to me. It'll, it might be the bourbon. It'll come to me though. <laughs> You, meaning you need more bourbon, huh? I need, yes, yeah. because then we could talk well, more and more. Bourbon. Just a little bit more about mountain biking, and then okay. I would, I do want to move on. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, when you're doing these big uh, uphill climbs, I presume that you're in like a really low gear, mm-hmm. meaning that you're going to pedal so, like way more revolutions than that rear tire goes. Yes. like And to me, that seems like so much more work, even... It does. Like... I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to articulate, but you're pedaling like a, a million miles an hour, but that rear tire is turning like a half a mile an hour. So that's a good point. So another thing, even though it's easier to turn it, but you're, you're, you're pumping, pumping, pumping. Right. But so in my mind and what I've done, and I've actually done this, I've broken chains before <laughs> because I don't want to go to that low, low gear where I'm just spinning. Oh, so you are just like, you're really pumping. I like to muscle it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I stand, I push, you know, use your body weight, you know, crank Mm -hmm. it in there. You know, I also teach spin class. Yeah. And I thought we might slide into (laughs) that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Well, I guess this is probably a good segue into it. Okay. So is spinning, is that like the Peloton? Okay. Because you know, I've got one of those (sighs) and pre COVID, I was on that religiously. I don't know what happened with COVID. I I think I, I went the exact polar opposite of the rest of the world. I feel like you know, the rest of the world work. got fit. Uh, I got fat. I've probably put on 60 pounds during this nonsense. And I haven't been on that bike in six months. What? But no, prior to that, um, I loved it. Yeah. I liked watching the instructors on it. And I think I got a feel for maybe what being on a road bike feels like you know so there was this uh the idea of a cadence Mm -hmm. uh and then the idea of the resistance Mm -hmm. and then being in the seat versus out of the seat Mm -hmm. and um so maybe you can maybe you can compare that the high resistance low cadence out of the seat workout to your mountain bike climb yes maybe yes but i still don't think that's as brutal as a mountain bike so (laughs) so Yes and no. So when actually when I teach spin class, um, I, I preach add gears, add gears. When we're out of the saddle, mm-hmm. uh, or actually when we're not, if it's a climb, for instance, like just like the Peloton instructor, which I made a funny joke to Megan. <laughs> so wouldn't it be funny if you turned it on? It was me. <laughs> That'd be the best. It may be, man. What if you got that contract? I would. Do you it. could quit nursing. <laughs> I would do it. So, yeah. so the idea is. In my in my in my mind and the way I teach and probably like you were talking about was if you're adding the gears, it's getting heavier, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean harder to push. Yeah, you know the resistance. It's like pedaling through mud. 
So naturally, your cadence is going to drop. Your RPMs are going to drop. Revolutions, yeah, yeah. you know, per minute, they're going to drop, which is fine. But my idea uh, in my classes is add, when I tell you to add a gear, add it. But I tell you what RPM or revolutions per minute to keep it at. So we never drop. The lowest, and personally, is 50 for me. So it's mm-hmm. like don't drop below 50. Even though, So the brake's 24 gears on these bikes. So I always tell them, like, hey, add another one this time. Try to get work harder because I've heard so many people come out of spin classes, not mine, because they were not going to tell me, but I've heard people come out of other spin classes and say it wasn't that hard. It isn't that hard because you're not pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. The instructor can tell you all day what to do. I mean, we can, yeah. we can tell you to jump. We can yeah. tell you to, you know, add gears. But if you're not doing it, we're not walking back there. We're not messing with your bike. Yeah, right. You no, know, you got to keep yourself accountable. So, um, but to that spin class Peloton to me, I, I've never done Peloton, but I think it relates more to mountain biking than it does to road biking. What the spin class or both spin and they probably relate Peloton. more to mountain biking. mountain biking. Really? Because when you're mountain biking or when you're road biking, mainly you're down in the saddle mm-hmm. unless, even if you're climbing until you get to a certain point, then you get out. But you're usually seated the whole time. Mm-hmm. Even if you're in a big peloton, you know, a group of people. Yeah. You're always seated. You're not out. Mountain biking, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. You're sideways, you're this, you're that, you're that. So that's why cycle class, spin class, whatever you want to call it, I think it relates more to mountain biking than it does. And I believe if you personally, if you did mountain biking, spin classes and all that, it'll make you a tremendous road biker. Mm-hmm. Because one pedal stroke on a road bike, this is not science, but say 20 feet, one pedal stroke on a mountain bike, five feet. I mean, that's because mm-hmm. it's it's just the gears are different. Yeah. The wheels are different. You know, it's smoother. It's faster. Yeah. You know, you can just move on a road bike. Do, now, do those road bikes have gears on them? Yeah. Just like, uh, like the old 10-speed bikes we had with the curl over bars when yeah. we were kids. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got your your gears on it. You know, you can change the the gears to the lows to the highs. And now, do those things have? Uh, are they free wheeled? Like, can you stop pedaling? Because I'm telling you, when I watch this stuff on TV, those guys never seem to stop. Like, even when they're going downhill, like their their legs are still moving. Well, if you're watching, say, Tour de France or something, yeah, that's like that, what I'm saying. That, yeah, those guys don't stop. Yeah, because dude, they're built. That's what they do. They're machines. Well, they I just get, thought I, I presume that the bikes like they're they, they, they kept moving whatever the hell you call that right hubs yeah their hubs are free will so mountain biking road biking they're all they're all free will i see yeah so you can coast and and uh enjoy the ride if you want Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean there is that aspect of but yeah so the the peloton the cycling uh, spin classes all that there to me it is more mountain biking because i've done both and i know how it feels but if you, I guess what I'm saying is if you do more of those things and then you get into road biking, you're going to be awesome at road biking. Like just crush it because you're lighter. You don't mm-hmm. wear all the stuff. Like I said, you're wearing. And the bikes are way smaller, way lighter. Oh, I mean, like are. the tires are, what, like I, they're almost like freaking pizza cutters. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Compared to the mountain bike. Uh, yeah. What about those fat tire bikes? What the hell is up with that? So. So and I'm not talking about the electric bikes. I know I'm saying like the, the fat tire pedal bikes. I so, don't get that. 
So they originally came out, to my understanding. I could be co- somebody might be like, "Oh, you're wrong about that." But my understanding is they were to take the place of certain shocks because you had so much. Mm, oh, that okay, tires. that makes sense. Yeah, but it obviously more tire makes it heavier. Um, but they're fun to ride. They're fun to like cruise mm-hmm. around on. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's nothing, dude. It it's the industry. You know, anything to make money. You know, I, no, I'm sure that, yeah, you have to innovate somehow. Right. And like, how, seriously, at this point, like how much better can you make a bicycle? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's funny you say that because they can go, the price range from these bikes are ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I think nowadays it's probably the difference in materials, yes. right? I mean, so you're going from, uh, what we probably grew up riding as kids is a steel frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's like carbon fiber, uh, you know, the wheels are carbon fiber. I'm sure, Mm -hmm. uh, the tires are smaller than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just, I, that's why I think the materials is a big difference. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, uh, air and aerodynamic design elements too. Right. So the only thing in triathlon, uh, I'm getting back to that. The only thing you can buy speed in. To purchase speed, you can actually buy it. Is in biking, mm-hmm. you can buy speed because you can buy a lighter bike. You can buy yeah. aero wheels. You can buy aero bars. You can buy a helmet that makes you more aerodynamic. Um, and it it does. And I'm, I will tell you, it makes a huge difference. It makes you fast. The geometry from say a triathlon bike when you're in the aero position, meaning you're down in aero bars, leaned over, head down. Kind of like a bullet, mm-hmm. look like a bullet, compared to the guys you look at um, or see on, um, say, uh, uh, Tour de France. Those guys, you know, they're they're road bikers, so they have their horns. They're down on their horns. They can get down there, but they don't have aero bars. Aero mm-hmm. bars put you in such a <clears throat> a position that breaks the wind. You know. <laughs> Not like cutting cheese, but mm-hmm. it breaks the wind. <laughs> <laughs> you would bring that up. I would. I would. Uh, juveniles can be. <laughs> I always think about that when people are behind me. I'm like, breaking your wind for you. But I'm like blowing <laughs> ass in your face. But, but anyway, yeah. So you get down in there and you wouldn't believe the simplest things. Like a helmet, for instance. I bought, um, it's an aero helmet with a magnet, you know, visor. So you don't wear sunglasses. And it. It, I don't know, like, I didn't check myself, like, speed-wise before and after, but you can just feel how you turn very arrow and bullet, like, through wind, or the wind resistance. And then if you ride with people that don't have these aero bars and don't have this aero bike, you can tell that they are struggling because even, say, a downhill, I don't even have to pedal. I can just put myself in that position, and they're pedaling their butt off. Just pass them up. Mm-hmm. It's just, I am, I'm a heavier dude. But still, I, it's just the bike and everything is just streamlined, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very streamlined, and that's that's the difference. And it is, you pay for speed in biking. Well, it's I think it's very interesting you brought this concept up. And you can buy speed. Yeah, crack one of these shitty beers up. <sighs> yeah. yeah. So uh, listeners out there, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna let you know a little something here. I'm drinking some really bad shit beer. No, this is <laughs> Pittsburgh beer, man. It's from Orange City. <sighs> It's called, what we used to refer to as Arns. It's called Mango. It's, <laughs> it's like uh, but no, anyhow, Poopo. With uh, along the lines of you talking about purchasing speed on yes, a bike, sir. yeah. 
And I don't. I didn't like your facial reaction. To that beer. Actually, it's not bad. It tastes like one of those seltzers. Yeah, it's a fruited beer. It's, yeah, it's, not it's, bad. it's nonsense. It's ninety-five calories. You should like that. Or, or <laughs> yeah, ninety-five calories. I mean, it's just like the, the Mick Ultra commercial. <laughs> I'm gonna go out and run now. So anyhow, I read an article just today, and this is the honest truth. Um, okay. I I wish I could remember the the exact name of the shoe, but it was a Nike shoe. Okay, that they said. Um, marathoners are wearing and they're they're some like 80 percent of all of the running winners in the last three four or five six years have wore this same shoe Mm. and everyone every record that's been set in the distance running has the 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 runner has been wearing this shoe you you're you're looking at me like you don't know what shoe i'm talking about no idea what you're Um, talking about Gosh, I, well, because and was, I should I should search this, but I don't. I'm not well, even getting, it, on, getting get on my computer. But what I'm the the article went further to say that so there are runners that are contracted to wear, you know, Adidas or uh, or Brooks or whatever. Yeah, you they know. get sponsorship. Yeah, but so but they've they've gone to wearing these Nike shoes and they just spray paint them black, so that no one can tell what shoes they're running. Because they're, they said that there's like a documented, like some scientifically documented edge wearing these shoes. They said it makes a person expend 4% less energy in a distance run. Really? Now, I'm going to have to look this up. We'll, we'll look this up afterwards. And, uh, but I, okay. based on what I read in this article, I bet you these shoes cost like a thousand bucks a pair. They might four percent. That doesn't sound like it, but you know what? But four percent, four percent over twenty six miles right. or, or whatever distance. It, yes. it was for distance running, and we're not talking about Usain Bolt, mm-hmm. you know, hundred meter dash. That these make a difference, yeah. but they're talking about marathoners and, and long distance running. It, I wonder how, because you know, running is form, right? Mm-hmm. And. It's always like the forefoot. You know, you're on the forefoot. You don't want to be a heel because when you push your heel down when you're running, you're basically putting on a brake, mm-hmm. which I got a story for that. But um, <laughs> I do. It's it's awful. But anyway, so, yeah, so you want to be on your forefoot. And a lot, you know, the best runners in the world, I mean, they're just moving. And they're lightweight. I mean, these guys are light. Me, personally, a 200-pound dude, I I push a lot on my, you know, skeletal frame mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with my body weight. I'm not built as a runner. I'm not built as a cyclist. I'm not built as a swimmer. I'm just... I'm bulky. I'm just a, I look, what I say is I'm like a rectangle. I'm like a rectangle. That's what I look like. <laughs> if you want to, if, if you want like to get behind me, in a in a, you know, in our Peloton or, or say our line and biking, yeah, I'll, you will be, the wind resistance will be You're going to be down. displacing a lot of air, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm a, you know, I'm a bigger dude. Um, I don't think I'm, I mean, I, I think I hold it well, but these guys that are running these things are, it's insane how how fast they are, but they're just lightweight. They're built for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the shoe of it, I would like to see that because I would like to just see the research on it. Because I know it's it's more form than it is an actual shoe. Because a lot of these guys probably run a barefoot after lives. And be honest, mm-hmm. truth, yeah, you know where they come from, and they just no, I, mean, I agree with you. Yeah, they're moving. They don't need shoes. Yeah, they're just runners. Yeah, that's what they do. They just run. You uh, you actually brought up just now another point i wanted to get to with you is uh your uh weight size (laughs) form shape whatever um and i i've heard i i I believe that you're like a self-described um 
you know, non, non-typical marathoner. Yes. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, no, I'm not. Uh, and I think I've heard you guys use the term Clydesdales. Yes, um, yes. So Is that is this, is this like a, a certain class of runners? or There, there is in certain events, but um, like Ironman, things like that, uh, there, there, there is. And when I say you guys, I'm talking about you and Mark. Yeah. Well, you know, Mark. <sighs> Mark's freaking huge. Well, Mark. I haven't but, seen him in over a year, I bet, but like he's ginormous. Well, the way I remember him. Since Norway, Mark has cut like a lot of weight. Like he's more cut now than he ever was. Yeah. And Mark, if you ever listen to this, I don't mean ginormous as in like fat ass ginormous. Well, yeah, I mean, he, like, yeah. He, but you're freaking ripped. So, yeah. <laughs> so he's also. You know, since then, has become personal trainer. That's his life, and he's very, very, very good at it. And um, he puts in the work, and it shows. So, but still, weight-wise and looking at somebody-wise, like, once again, I mean, I know he's he puts in a lot of work. He's faster than I am, which is fine. But me, personally, being as, as big as I am and, like, 200 pounds and doing these things – we show up to, uh, you know, well, in pre-COVID era, you know, the China virus, pre-whatever, <laughs> we, we we would show up to, um, say, the village, uh, an Ironman, and, mm-hmm. or at a marathon, and they would look at us, you know, people like, who are these guys? I mean, you these guys aren't going to run anything. They're not going to think. So when you pass these people... <laughs> Seriously, when you pass these little slender, skinny guys and they're on their little... Oh, yeah. yeah, It it makes you feel so good because they looked at you like you were like a big fatty. You can't do anything. But, you know, what? in about 10, 20 years from now, we're probably going to have some joint issues. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, like me personally, I've been in races where, especially, I'm not the fastest swimmer to get back to triathlon. I'm Mm -hmm. not the fastest, kind of middle of the pack. But I'm a pretty quick biker because that's my thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I bike. So I get to pass a lot of people. So as I'm swimming and if somebody's passing me or they're, like, trying to truck over me when we're swimming, which um, we can talk about that because that's a mess. <laughs> I'm thinking, guess what? I'm getting you. I'm going to pass you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass you on the bike easily. I'm going to pass you. And um, so it's that's the thing. So I'm middle of the pack swimmer, uh, faster biker, just a kind of middle of the pack runner. But – it's just the, the body type. People look at you different when you show up to these things. Like if you show up just to a marathon, like it, it's not mm-hmm. triathlon, marathon. I've been to these before. Um, went to the Flying Pig, Cincinnati. Um, I went in there and I'm walking around and I wasn't with anybody. Mark wasn't there yet. It was just me. Um, a couple of our other friends were doing it also and they weren't there. So <laughs> I walked in and I was looking around and I remember the conversation. So I instantly text, you know, Mark and I said, Hey, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't look like these people. Yeah. Man. <laughs> oh, totally. No, we don't look like it. I work with a bunch of marathoners in Charleston, like, I, but like ten of them, literally, yeah. and and that's all they talk about is running and marathoning, and they're like crazy skinny, mm-hmm. um, very short, most of. Them. <laughs> oh, the short guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, really, and uh, and girls, um, and uh, but the thing is, like, I they're. I think they're serious and they're and they're good because mm-hmm. uh, a, a handful of them have run like major things like the Boston, mm-hmm. New York City Marathon, mm-hmm. um, and just my 
small talk with them, I understand you have to qualify for those. You do. So that tells me that they're, they have to be good. Yes. At, at what they're doing. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the younger you are, the harder it is to get in. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, you've got to stay good and get older. Um, if you just want to you know, get in or just get better. Me personally, um, you know, back to the, how I got into this, the full stuff, man, it's so tough. It's so tough on your body. And just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the 26.2, you know, it's a marathon and, and, and that's miles, <laughs> not kilometers, but it is, it, me personally, it is tough on the body. Yeah. So let's pause right here. Okay. What is the Iron Man? And and actually, I want you to contrast that with uh, a tr- generic triathlon. Okay. So what, what's the difference? So Iron Man, um, which is funny. So the the first time I ever ran a marathon, by the way, was in an Iron Man, which is um, for real. Yeah, which is kind of <laughs> weird. So you, you, yes, this is true. So uh, back to 2016, um, yeah, so uh, you swim 2.4 miles, you bike 112, then you run 26, uh, was it 26.2. Yeah. 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 Now, how does that compare to a triathlon? Uh, is there a difference between the Ironman and a triathlon? No, there's no difference. There's different things. There's um, You do um, – you can do Olympic distance, um, and then you could do. I, I can't honestly remember the names of them, but Olympic is shorter than say a typical, say like an indoor try or um, like a you know the St. Mary's. Yeah, so it's uh, so is Ironman just a brand? So of, Iron, of a triathlon. So Ironman is a brand, uh, and it happened. I guess there was military guys, uh, to my understanding, back in uh, Hawaii that challenged each other who can do what better and that's mm-hmm. how this thing started out and you know i guess the navy guy was like i can swim and then whoever said i can bike and the guys that i can run yeah. and they're like well let's put them all together and see what we got and um yeah so i think i was in kona i think that's why the you know the the, the world championships is always in kona mm-hmm. um so they basically race on a um, volcano where it's oh, super hot cool. and yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i would never get there but <laughs> It's it's pretty fascinating, and uh, the passion and the dedication people put into uh, putting their bodies through these things, it's pretty impressive. And it's, it's cool to be a part of. Well, the Ironman, I think, to me, again, as an outside observer, it seems to have a lot of commercial support, uh, television support, you know, media support in general uh, over other tri triathlete mm-hmm. events, I think. Um, it does. So I guess I, uh, my presumption was Iron Man was something different as far as distances involved. No, it's not. It's just a brand. It's a okay. brand that, um, you know, they, and what happened, Iron Man actually, to my understanding, they went around and there's a lot of other areas, say smaller areas that had triathlons that say it was 70.3. It was half that, um, what did I say earlier? Anyway, it's hundred point. I don't even remember what I said. But anyway, 70, <laughs> 70.3. I may have I may have said those numbers earlier wrong. Apologize, people listening. Don't get mad. But so you, um, they would go around and they would see that it had a huge draw. Say mm-hmm. uh, Wilmington, for instance, was a big one. Mm-hmm. It was um, not Iron Man brand at all, but they had a huge following. So Iron oh, Man. I, I always assumed that was an Iron Man event because you've done that. 
Well, like every year. Okay, so before, so 2015 it was not, and then 2016 is when it, Iron Man bought them. I see. Okay. So Iron Man goes around, the Iron Man brand goes around, and they will snatch up small marketplaces because they see mm-hmm. the draw. It's the same distance, so they buy into it just so they can get the revenue. I mean, it's it's a marketing thing. Um, and Iron Man, I mean, the brand... They put on a good show uh, pre-COVID, pre-Corona. We'll get to that. But they they do. They put on a good event. I've only raced Ironman brand. I've never um, raced any other brands. I've heard great things of other brands. I've, I've just I've never raced mm-hmm. it. And there's one reason for me. It's I always wanted to make um, all world, mm-hmm. you know, get the points mm-hmm. um, and make all world, which I did for this year. But it. Oh, cool. Well. So you've you've brought up this pre-COVID Ironman, pre-COVID triathlete. Yeah, let's do that. Um, a number of times. Let's dive into this because this is current event stuff now. Okay. Um, so what what's going on with the distance? You know, these competitions, distance competitions, triathletes. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, triathlons, uh, Ironman events. Gosh. All that, <laughs> all that Iron City is coming up now. Um, it's all so these good. events that you normally would <laughs> compete in. Uh, what's going on with them in the age of COVID nineteen? Everything's been canceled. Yeah, and going back to when <laughs> the whole year, the whole year that because it happened. You know, this China virus happened in the spring. It mm-hmm. did. It happened in the spring. So uh, no events were even going on yet in the spring. Um, I think my first race that was scheduled this year, that was in May. And I think it was Chattanooga. Um, it was going to be a 70.3. It was, it was just a half Ironman. And uh, we were all geared up for it. And then this nonsense happened. So the um, they shut that down. So they moved it to, the, you had two options. You can either like transfer to next year or just transfer to later date which was August and that got canceled also. Mm-hmm. So anyway, since then with this social distancing and the masks and the thing, Iron Man didn't. And a lot of these, what well, you see it everywhere, you know, uh, all the say NBA or you see it on um, like all this college football nonsense. We don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen with it. And the NFL, you don't know what's happening there. So Iron Man, when you have an Iron Man event, have you ever, you've probably never been to one, never attended one. Okay. No. So when you go to an Iron Man event, like I said, number one, you show up there and there's a village. Like they have a little shops, you know, it's kind of like tent set up and you go in there and they have a little speaker and all that. But everybody's there together. You mm-hmm. know, all the athletes are there. You're, you're How walk- many people are we talk about? Is it hundreds, thousands? Okay, so it can be thousands of people. In of a, uh, of participants? Yes. Yeah. And it, then there's probably family members and, yes. and crew and whatnot. Right. So yeah. you'll, you know, you can quadruple that number if you yeah. wanted to. And so. You go into these places, and I'm not going to get into it, but I feel like things shouldn't have been canceled, for my personal thoughts. But they um, so they didn't know how to social distance. So they said, you know what, initially, we're not going to have the village. We're not going to have you guys show up. We're just going to do the online thing. But then they're like, well, wait a second. How are we going to support the race? Because in a normal Ironman, Say the swim, obviously you don't have support because you're just swimming and you get out of the water and you go mm-hmm. to transition. So transition's another point. Your bike is right beside someone else's bike. 
like yeah. inches besides someone else's bike. Like you guys are hanging out together before the race. You're you're pumping up your tires together. You're talking about it. You're, you don't know these people, but mm-hmm. you know what? They become your friends because you're all there together. You're athletes. You're racing against yourself. You're not racing against anything else. You're really trying to just prove yourself better. Is all you're trying to do in these races, sure. unless you're unless you are trying to get to Kona and you're like you know champion caliber, which you know majority of these people aren't. They just want to finish. You know, an yeah. Ironman. So there's probably there's probably some small percentage yeah. that are there is like I don't know. I would say real, 90, 90, real 90 competitors. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. And then everyone else is there just to be finishers. Mm-hmm. And I hate to I hate to say that because like I think it's really an accomplishment. Oh my gosh! To finish it is. something like that, it is. I don't want to make it sound like you're just getting a participation trophy at all, but uh, no, I think I, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Very few people are there to like actually really compete. Everyone else is just like uh, working against themselves. Yeah. To get through this, and I think a and lot, to get to the end and do better than they did the last time. Right. Or I think a lot of these people. Um, Personally, what I see, I think a lot of people are say it's a life change, or they're they're going through something, or they, I don't know, it can be, it, it, it's just that moment in life where I need something, I need to do something oh, to sure. show that I I'm like that. I could do that, and these people do that, and they 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 really do that. But so, you know, this virus happened, and so they couldn't figure out transitions. To my understanding, it's like, how are you going to space all these people out? Because before we were right beside each other. And here's my whole thought about this. If if you are racing, you go there and you're prepared and you're ready to rock and roll, you're probably okay. Mm-hmm. You're probably okay. Yeah. So <laughs> let me let me interject my opinion and my my thought in this uh, as a medical professional. So yeah, I think I totally agree with what you just said. If someone's trained to the degree that they have to train to get to an Ironman contest. They don't, they, they, there's no way they clinically have COVID-19. There's no way they have the the actual disease. Uh, Yeah. Now their carrier status, that would be what's up in question. Mm -hmm. Do they have, do they carry the virus in their body or in their system at all? I, I would ask this. So do, do any of these competitors have to be tested like for doping reasons or, or checking for banned substances is that well are these events like the like the olympics you know what i'm saying so so where i'm going with this so if they have to be tested for these banned substances anyways uh-huh. why in the hell couldn't you just do a nasal swab or you know or or the blood test or whatever the fuck it is now that they're doing for right. covid along with that panel so, for for banned substances so right? like you said i think the the five percent or somebody that's actually like competing for the, the you know the worlds and the championship they got sponsors and things like that yeah they probably could do that but the majority of these people aren't competing mm-hmm. for anything mm-hmm. other than self worth you know they're not yeah you know me personally I just go there to better myself I try to do good I try to be better than I was the last time or just I just like competing it's just yeah it's it, it's one of those switches you can't turn off it's just you just I just love doing it and I think a lot of these people love doing it. That's why they keep mm-hmm. doing it um, later in life. Once you're, and there's a certain age group. It's weird. So, say 18 to 25, 
There's not a lot of 18 to 25 people doing Ironman or triathlons because, for one, they're in college. You know, they're mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know starting their lives or starting their families and all that. It's it's the later age groups that are the ones that are you know uh, populated with a lot of people and you're competing with a lot of people because a lot of that's already behind them and they can actually train and they can actually do these things to to you know to to I guess prove themselves or whatever. But yeah, so the younger age group is not there. It's just when you get older, you're like I can, you know, I want to, I want to just keep going and doing something. And I don't know. It's it's just a, it's kind of like a. It, you want to just keep competing. You don't want to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have that drive, and you just want to keep doing it. And this kind of a thing to do. It's not low. I mean, shoot the running. It's not low impact, but the biking and the swimming is very low impact. Mm-hmm. But so, when was the last time you did anything uh, competitive, like on the regional or national stage? Uh, Wilmington, uh, October last year, twenty nineteen. So you're rolling up on almost what ten months now, almost mm-hmm. a year. Yeah, since the last time, yep. and, th- and this is all because of COVID. Yes, they shut everything down. See, that's mind blowing to me. Um, you know, I, I can understand um, professional sports, which are highly spectator based, and you know, and by nature, it's very close quarter spectator based. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of going to a football arena, you know, baseball, uh, ice hockey, whatever. Like you got a lot of people packed in a very tight space. Mm-hmm. However, you know, for a marathon. First of all, I don't think you have to have you don't have to have any spectators. Like nobody's paying to go to that. First of all, right to or to spectate that is mm-hmm. Iron Man. Nobody, no one's paying to go spectate Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So you can eliminate all the spectators uh, and get rid of that aspect of social distancing and potential for spreading infection. I. So it's these these events. I would argue, like, why do they even have to stop? Um, because I think that it's, it's exactly what you said. Like nobody, no one is making it to that point infected with COVID. Mm-hmm. That's point number one. Mm-hmm. And then point number two, I would say is it like, you should be able to test every entrant into something like that. If you're really that concerned about, you know, say so you're talking about the transition from swimming to the bicycle yeah. where you got a lot of people in, mm-hmm. in close proximity together. Yeah, I mean, just test everyone when they come in. Um, it is so, so. I don't know, or or, or 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 for fuck's sake! I mean, I go to work every day, and all I have to do to get into the building is to have my temperature below one hundred point four degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's maybe that is what the, the requisite thing to to get into uh, some kind of sporting competition. Well, yeah. I, so I think I think with Iron Man, it's it's not like the athletes will be infected, um, and I don't think they want to control um, the spectators because spectators are what drive you, mm-hmm. especially in an Iron Man. Say you know you, you train for months and months and months and months and months, and your kid's out there and he's got his little you know he's got his poster up. It's like run, run! You can do this. You can do this. You got. I guess I didn't realize this. Yeah, you got mom out there. You got you got all these people that are. They're just and they're spread out. I'm not saying they're all at like in one designated spot. I mean, they can be at mile marker on the run, like 
six well, so I guess, seven, whatever. <clears throat> so I guess uh, let me interject here. So I, I guess I, I had been thinking about this uh, in my mind. So this is a, this is a linear distance thing. Mm-hmm. However, the, like there, the, it's a circuit though. Like there's going to be places where uh, you're going to run past the same place again. Yes. Uh, two or three times or, or, or very close to the same place. Right. So I, what you're saying makes sense then. So I was thinking initially, and this is stupid on my part, but initially I was thinking you started at point A, you went to point B and it was just a straight line, no curves or anything in between. <laughs> but no, I think now that I realize what you're talking about is that I've seen this locally when people do these marathons and five K's and stuff, in Huntington, like, yeah, you run past the same place like five times. Mm-hmm. And is that true in the Ironman? So it is. So sometimes you've got a point to point where, um, say, your transition is, I don't know, say at A, and then the transition's at B. But then sometimes, say, you do a loop. So mm-hmm. say you swim, you get out of transition, your first transition. You cycle, but you do a cycle, like a loop. So you, you come back to the same spot, mm-hmm. and then you start running from there. Or you can cycle from there, cycle 56 or 112, whatever it is, to another destination and then start running from there. So different races, different, um, you know, setup. But at the same time, your family and friends, whoever's supporting you can go to different spots and they can, you know, cheer you on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge part of motivation for because um, just having uh, my son at um, Louisville, Isaiah, uh, he was there and he, uh, just, I don't, I don't know. It was just, I had a lot of like physical problems going on with that race. And it was, it was my first like actual full, full Ironman mm-hmm. and just seeing him and seeing his excitement and him so proud of me. It, it literally, it like right now would bring tears to my eyes. Like he no. was, he was that excited about his dad becoming an Ironman. He stood by the finish line for, I think four hours. Like, oh my goodness. Because he enjoyed watching everybody cross because he thought it was the greatest thing. Race. Like, these people mm-hmm. were just, they're doing their best. They're trying so hard. And I think he saw what went into it. And to go back to what you said uh, at the intro, I would come to work after, you know, working out. So, Mark and I, there were days when I was training for a full Ironman, we would wake up four and five in the morning and run 15 to 20 miles before I came to work. Mm-hmm. Came to work after that. If you ran twenty miles, and I would come to work, work an eight-hour day, you know, on my feet, you know, a lot of the time. I know you <laughs> said that I didn't work a whole lot, but that's BS. <laughs> but, it, but you know what I mean. And so, uh, can we actually call what you do work? That's that was my point. Easy, go, go go on, go on. Easy. <laughs> so anyway, it um, but yeah, and it's just you put so much into it. So you want your family there. You want people to be there. And I mean, yeah, certainly. And but I think. <sighs> the i don't know what to call it but they you know the the part of the the social distancing thing they were like oh no if we have spectators they can affect each other but uh, i can't wait till this is over is all i can say it's just it's it's getting question is will it ever be over um i think after november it'll be over (laughs) i think it's i think it's all it's there's a lot of speculation there but um you know, let's say that this is independent of any uh, elected official. That it's actually, it's actually a real bug. Um, uh, I gotta try that. But it's a ninety-nine point nine six percent survival bug. 
I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. Common cold is. Uh, no, no, and dude, uh, trust me, I've heard all the arguments against social distancing policy. I know you have. Um, I, so my take on this whole thing is when this first started, it was a brand new bug no one had ever seen before. Right. No one had any clue how it was transmitted, what kind of symptoms we needed to look for, how to treat it, what the hell to do with it. Mm-hmm. It was scary. Scary. It was. It was. And, I- and uh, so, I, you know, I was directly affected. Um, I work in, uh, if you've listened to podcasts before, I work in anesthesia. I work in surgical services. Um, our facility was closed down to elective surgeries. Um, gosh, like mid March, late March, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And we didn't resume elective surgeries. I bet for four or five, six weeks. Now that's not to say we, we still traded the emergencies, the acute abdomens, the shootings, the stabbings, the car wrecks, the falls with broken hips, the people with brain bleeds, you know, like there's still plenty of sick people we treated, but we shut down basically in the hospital, the hospital emptied itself. I mean, it was, it was weird. It was unimaginable. Right. The hospital, there were no admissions to the hospital. The hospital is empty. They're furloughing all this nursing staff. Um, you know, we as uh, anesthesiologists, like they're asking a bunch of us to stay home and you know, we're, we're questioning whether our company is going to bring in enough revenue to survive. Mm-hmm. We're applying for this freaking uh, payroll protection program. <laughs> Seriously, like you laugh, but uh, no, you know I, we I, I, we had to get money for that. That's a sarcastic laugh. We had <laughs> we had no clue what was going on in day one. Um, I know. I think in in Charleston, West Virginia, I believe we have we opened up surgical services way before Huntington did. Mm. And this is just the the feeling I get from talking to, you know, my wife and some of her colleagues from talking to my father. Um, and I even feel like now, even today, you know, we're, we're mid to late August. I think Huntington is still way behind Charleston as far as opening up surgical services. I don't. So anyways, uh, so the, the, I want to get, I need to get back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, I was trying to establish a timeline of what, when we closed and when we reopened. But anyways, yeah. I, I think, so I think initially nobody, no one knew what to do with this. Um, right. And my opinion now is I would say, so you, you brought up the, the fatality rate is extraordinarily low. Mm-hmm. Now that That's a fact. That's a well-established fact. No yes. one will dispute that. So I would take that and run with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would use that to say, so who's, who's dying from this? We've said from the get go, it's people uh, who are older or who have coexisting medical conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that in mind, I would say, listen, if you're young and healthy, go for it. Yeah. Right, that's do what, what you want to do. Maybe have some kind of periodic testing or screening shit. Uh, if you're intermediate risk, go for it. Do whatever you want to do. Definitely have some testing mm-hmm. and some screening shit. If you're at high risk for it, 
you need to stay out of the public arena. Yes. You should probably not ever go back to work. You should probably avoid hospitals. You should avoid public gatherings. You should never go to a wedding. Right. Never go to a funeral. (laughs) Never go to church. You know, that's... Uh, that's how I look at it. I mean, because you cannot shut the whole world down. Or, well, we're not talking about the world. We're talking about our country. You can't shut the whole country down indefinitely until we find out what this is about. Mm-hmm. Dude, calmer, calmer, cooler, smarter minds have to prevail and say, "Listen, there's a there's a portion of the workforce that we can let go, uh, let go back to work, mm-hmm. and not have to worry about them." Right. So you say. So what if they get infected? They're going to be fine. They are. That, that's how I look at it. They are. Um, you know. You know. I was. I was initially scared to go to work, not, not because that I would get infected. Because I, you know, even though I'm not in the best health, but I, I swear to God, I think I think I'd be fine. I was afraid to bring it back home, though. You know, I've I've got two babies. I don't know how they would do with it. Um, I, I didn't want to spread it. That was my initial hesitation. And I thought, well, hell, I don't want to spread it to my parents. Mm-hmm. My parents are old and they're not healthy. Right. Well, I don't want to spread it to my uncle who's, you know, 90 years old and in very bad shape. But then I thought to myself, well, when do I ever see that uncle who's 90 and in very bad shape? Right. Uh, never. Yeah. You know, I might talk to him once a year uh, in person. Uh, if my parents are in bad shape and I don't want to spread it to them, then that's when I need to step back and say, whoa, hey, mom and dad, we'll just talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. I don't need to come over and have a barbecue with you. Right. I mean, does that make sense? That, that's how, that, that would be my approach. Let the young, healthy people do do what they need to do. Let them get back to work, be productive. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, in my in my whole thought, my my opinion um you know there there are worse things in this world than this virus mm. old people new people uh or young people whatever they there's there's worse things so to say that we're 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 worried about old people no no we're of course we've always been worried about our family we've always been worried about mom and dad we've true if you had true. if you had any sickness you're not going to go around your family you're not going to do it and, and then the whole thing was well you're asymptomatic yeah then you might spread it for the first 14 days wait it was 10 days wait it was th- and there's always this number it's some weird number like these random stupid numbers mm-hmm. like everything six feet and then you know you go to the store it looks like you're in like candy land it's like you gotta <laughs> like jump to place to place and it's like oh so wait a second. If I sit down, the virus is not active anymore. I could take off my magical mask. Yeah, it's just it's there isn't a whole lot of uh, logic behind this, and I don't think there's a whole. Um, well, here's the thing. I so I actually I'm going to argue with that. I think there's logic behind it. I honestly do think there's logic behind it, mm-hmm. but what there is lacking is scientific evidence, scientific proof. Yeah. And logic does not equal scientific proof. It doesn't. Um where where logic and science where logic and science intersect is called dogma, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's where you say that you do something because it makes good sense. Right. Even though you don't have any science to support it. So I think 
and this is just me, and and you feel free to hammer back on me uh, with this. <laughs> and feel, it, those who are listening, feel free to hammer back in the comments, even though like uh, the, I did not intend to go this way with Chris. But so <laughs> here's my opinion. We always go south. Uh, no, 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 I wouldn't even call this south. We're, this is east west. <laughs> um, so the the dogma here is that wearing a mask is good. Right? It, the dogma right, says it, that if you put a mask on, you're not going to spread as many germs. Okay. Yeah, okay. I can agree with that. Okay. okay. Now, there's not science to support it. No. And I think that's what all the anti-mask people have latched onto, is that they've said, where's the science? Where's the science? But I'm going to tell you, as a dogma, you should wear a mask mm-hmm. when in public. Uh there's also a dogma that says if you stay a certain distance away from other people, you're not going to transmit it to them. Mm-hmm. There's zero science behind that, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's in people's brains. It says, well, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> what, the number the number may not make sense. The six-foot thing may not make sense. But would you agree that if you're a distance away from a person – you have a reduced chance of transmitting it to them. That's what I'm talking about. Where if, dogma comes in, right? If you six feet, who picked six feet? I don't know. If you live in a white ivory tower, six feet is great. But guess what? Six feet goes in all different directions. It doesn't yeah. go east and west, or north and south. Okay, it goes everywhere. Six feet is a joke, dude. This whole thing's a joke. Healthy people should not <laughs> wear masks. Period. Healthy people should not have to wear a mask. You remember, I I brought this up to other people. You remember, we're in healthcare, and you know this. You're, <laughs> you're a physician, you know this. Remember when you'd walk into a doctor's office, and there was a little kiosk there, and it said, if you're sneezing, coughing, experiencing any type of illness, put on a mask. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so that's logical, because they are sick. But then, so then it drops back to, wait a minute. This virus is asymptomatic, and you can spread it because there's kajillion, bajillion, kajillion, whatever Biden says. These, <laughs> you, you, you know the phrase, you right? Know the phrase. These, yeah, yeah, these, yeah, whatever, 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 whatever. You know, big numbers, big numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, it's in the back of your throat. What, man. You what did uh, what did uh, George Bush say? The Brazilians. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's some yeah. Brazilian reasons why. <laughs> right. So, and then they, they get into, uh, you know, um, how many cells you have and how many you can pump out. If it's a droplet or if it's just airborne. And if it's droplet, then you actually have to call for sneeze to get it out of your system. And if that's the case, then, dude, I haven't been around people uh, probably in the last, I don't know, few weeks that sneeze or cough that needs a mask. It's If it's droplet? Why do they need? They don't need a yeah. master healthy people. No, I, so it's just nonsense. It's it, anyway, it's nonsense. I'm with you. Uh, I, well, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to go as far as say it's nonsense. Um, but then I look at this. Um, why is there a spike in this stuff? People who are traveling to the beach because they're testing more. Okay, I mean. I, yeah, but uh, I went to the beach and I wasn't positive for anything. Did you get tested? Oh, but if I would have, would I have been positive? 
positive. Did you get tested? No, you did not. I didn't. But I can see the look on your face. But no, no, I didn't. But what if I would have? No, did, but so the but thing is, that, but I'm, um, a healthy, I'm a healthy test. I'm the 99.96% people that are. I'm, the whole thought behind my 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 thing here is that it's let's get like the, the triathlon thing. It's silly. Just let people. Like, no, trust me, I'm with their you. Life and do their thing. This is. It's just blown up. Trust me, I am with you, Chris. Uh, I I think that things need to be opened up significantly. I really do. I mean, like tuberculosis, for instance. I Um, mean, you can be anywhere and people cough on you. You get it. Nobody like grabbed a mask and put that on in the last. Yeah, but we can fix tuberculosis. Can can we? We can fix. No, dude. There's antibiotic treatment for it. That's very effective. We can fix um, China virus. Is like, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> There's not an effective treatment for COVID-19 currently. It's called your immune system. 99.96% people don't even get treatment. They're fine. There are people that get it. All right, well, I'm sa- okay. I may get it tomorrow, and I might be, like, dead. Which is uh, Let me play the devil's advocate again. So the <sighs> immune system with tuberculosis, you just brought that up. Not everyone exposed to TB develops a tuberculosis syndrome like an infection okay and that's probably in large part due to their immune system okay um did i just see you signal that you need to take a break yes because i'm gonna play some new bumper music no no because i i have some he just he's doing this previously unreleased listen uh, i should have been number one so he's he's playing this because i'm number one no i've got some previously unplayed free music archive That's stuff because i'm number one let's do it boom for your fuzzy cheese get some mushy peas because we're having chippy tea tonight when you feel some rumble and you fuck have a fumble you're having chippy tea tonight
man we should be live again chris <laughs> check check microphone We're only an hour into this and chris's little girl bladder had to empty it mm. took five mm. minutes to empty that yeah, literally bladder. i played like two and a half songs dude that was a lot, um, a lot of a lot of uh liquid and i when i i've got to tell the listeners out there um i've sourced this music from the free music archive which is all royalty free. Um, I don't know. Like at some point, I should probably give credit to the music. I don't know. Indeed. I don't know. Is that what um, you do? The the artist is called Pudge, P U D G E. <laughs> it reminds me of when I was uh, in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is, so I I've got to tell you how I how did I pick this intro music and bumper music and all this stuff? Like, I bet you. So I I did it when I was on call one night at the general. Okay. in charleston and uh as i had time in the middle of the night i just went and logged into this well not logged in i I just went to this website free music archive and searched for songs i searched for rock i searched for alternative blah 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 you know i would get called back to the or like i kept getting interrupted but then then we had a kidney transplant mm. that takes like four hours to do so i'm sure so I had some downtime there mm-hmm. uh, while the nurse anesthetist was taking care of that dude. <laughs> no, I checked on him. Okay. Um, but anyways, I, uh, I I just kept going down all these search pathways. I, I started with rock, then went to hard rock, then went to industrial rock, which led to punk rock, which led to punk industrial. Okay. And this song came up which is called abcd by pudge and i said like oh my god it's like the perfect intro song and then i just i downloaded a couple other other tracks too that i liked um i think the other is called um one of them's called chippy tea we're gonna drink chippy tea it says in it oh chippy tea and then i think the other i think the i think the third one's called like bus wreck or bus crash or something like that I think it's called butt crack. No, it's not butt crack. It's, it's good music. It's good. Uh, it's good punk rock, uh, punk industrial, whatever the hell it was called. But now that free music archive, there are like millions, yep. millions of free tracks on there that you don't have to pay royalties on. I think some of them you have to. Um, yeah. So what you're hearing up there, what what our listening audience may not hear on the microphones is. The Roomba is running upstairs from us. Okay, it sounded like a power drill. <laughs> I was but, thinking, is is someone next door doing some uh, some you know? But no, I would encourage our listeners uh, if you're there. if you're looking at 
music that's free that you can share with people uh, without having to pay for it. Free music archive.org. I think dot org. Hmm. Anyway, so let's get back to <clears throat> our original topic of discussion. Chris said he wanted to get away from this damn COVID stuff, which I agree with. We, no one needs to talk about this nonsense. Everyone's got an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, so let's, let's let's talk about triathlete triathlons. Yeah, let's get back into that. Iron Man, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck you were talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. I was gonna. So so there. You know, the original thing was this triathlon stuff and how I got into it and all this other uh, nonsense. Um, so let's just give you a rundown of uh, how this has all gone on. What I see, twenty fifteen is when I got into. I ran, yes. ran my first yes. half marathon. And I felt pretty good about it. So 2016 rolls around. I start getting involved in the triathlon aspect of it. So I start meeting some local people. Um, I get a text one day from a local friend of ours, um, Todd Smith mm-hmm. uh, and Angela Smith. Uh, so they have Velocity um, Sportswear. Mm-hmm. And they were starting a uh, brand of triathletes because Angela and Todd were both triathlons or triathletes, I should say. They both done Ironman before. And so they asked me, They Todd said, would you like to be a racer in our um, triathlon group? And I said, I, I don't know. I've never raced before. I don't know. And then Todd said, I have, you know, all the confidence in the world in you. I, I know you. I met you. I think you could, you know, do great things. So I said, all right, man. And, and so I jumped on board with that. So I become a member of the Tri-Mafia, which is like I told you before, it's a, um, it's global actually. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a group, but it started here locally in Huntington. With, uh, it, the Tri-Mafia thing started here. Yes. Angela I had no idea. Smith. Yeah. They started. So I knew Tri-Mafia. this is a, I knew this is a national slash global thing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it started at Huntington. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, they started it. And um, there were another uh, couple in Huntington. So, there was Mark. Mark got me involved in this. Then Mark met uh, Todd Angela. And then uh, he met um, Holly and Patrick Hickman, which mm-hmm. I met Holly and Patrick, which I love them to death. They're, they're super awesome people. And they've done triathlons for years before iron man brand like they've just done them all you know whatever it was halves fulls whatever they're just you know they're just really athletic people and they're healthy people and they like to get Mm -hmm. after it so they're a part of the group you know so i meet them and uh torn i knew torn before but then torn then i knew torn through this and i was like oh yeah and then kurt anderson uh, another guy i know name dropping here but um these guys these guys uh Brett Arthur, uh, your cousin, I believe. Brent, 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 who's Brent. Uh, sorry, Arthur, I may yeah. have said that wrong, but Brent, he is uh, like married and cousin to you. He yeah. is one of the most phenomenal athletes I've ever met in my life, and he helped me train for my first full Ironman. He ran, you know, there's when I ran the, the you know, the 15, 20 miles before I come to work. Brent was there with me, mm-hmm. and he got off midnight shift from working his job and he would run with me and Mark and Mark and I, mm-hmm. and we would run and us three would run. And he, to this day, he could still wear me out. He's like 20 years older than me. The dude. No, yeah. He's uh he's phenomenal. He's older than I am. Yeah, and I consider myself old. 
Yeah, dude's phenomenal. I think Brent. How old is he? I think he's, he's fifty. Not. Okay, so he's ten years. Either way, he, he may be fifty-one, fifty-two. I don't dude know, but he is a machine. Well, I'm going to tell you that I uh, I went to watch this Marshall Marathon. Uh, um, I don't oh, know, a few he years ran ago. In the boots. He ran in his uh, police gear. Yeah. In the freaking boots, mm-hmm. full body armor. Oh yeah. I think he even had his pistol and his taser on. Ran his it all. Yeah. In his radio. Yeah. Everything. And, and ran the the full marathon in that twenty six point two. Now miles. I don't think that his time was that remarkable. Which is fine. Because Maybe he's it was. Been. I don't know. But he freaking he fucking finished it. Yeah. Dude is amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. He's, he's uh, such an athlete. So I met him um, through all this. And the thing is, the group of people that I met in this, um, another guy, drop his name, Ed Tucker, one of the greatest riders I've ever met in my life. He's not a triathlete, but he's a great rider. I met him through all these people. Uh, Don Capper, these guys, I mean, these people are um, just amazing. And then there was um, other people, Sarah Kay, uh, in, in, a, a girl that was a swimmer at Marshall who transitioned into triathlons um it's it's just it's it's like when you're an athlete you're an athlete like remember when i said earlier you just want to compete these are the people that just want to compete they just want to you know uh you know keep going and they they want to you know move and and um just do something for themselves so Mm -hmm. so anyway so it was 2015 then 2016 i got into it and um so what happened was my full Iron Man was coming up. So I did Raleigh that, that year. And it was my first one ever. This is a funny story. So so I don't know if anybody out there has heard of the Motobacon bike uh, brand. <laughs> so it's, it's so I had just a cheapo bike, which I said earlier that I used to ride from Columbus to Portsmouth. And I bought a road bike just to do this ride. And it was just a simple bike. It was 500 bucks, whatever. And I bought it on, uh, can, I, can, I, can I name drop? I think so. I don't know. So, bikesdirect.com actually has good bikes. Is that good? No bad? Yeah. Uh, what, I, whatever. Yeah. If it, it, worst case scenario, it's free advertising. Exactly. For so, anyway. So, I bought this bike. It's called Moto Bacon. And it was a um, it was a red bike. It was uh, the, the Noir or something. Some of these black furiers. I don't know what the hell it means. Anyway, I bought this bike and I rode it. So, I'm riding it. And then... I was like, I'm not going to buy a triathlon bike to do triathlon because mm-hmm. I was like a mountain biker. I could outride these people. I'm fine. So Todd, I think, gave me some hand-me-down. Like It was Mark's before, I think, before him. It was somebody else's, somebody else, somebody else. These error bars. And I put it on my bike. This is a funny story. So I'm rolling in to tran- you know, to check my bike in at this race. And this big black dude standing there. He is huge and he's he looks at me and he says hey man i was like what he said motobacon i was like yep he said man <laughs> he said man i've seen a lot of those today and i said really he's like nope <laughs> <laughs> he said i ain't seen none of those man you ride a motobacon i was like yeah dude ride a motobacon so remember when i said all these little <laughs> slender guys that we we show up to these races these slender people i was riding a crappy bike you know, and I was passing all these people on their thousand other bikes, just passing them because, like I said, I'm a mediocre swimmer, and I was just passing them, and I was just like, dude, I don't. It's about the motor behind the bike, but mm-hmm. back to the original thing, you can buy speed on a bike. So, anyway, I transitioned into getting a, a, 
a triathlon bike, which I did. I bought one. Uh, Cannondale Slice. Awesome bike. Uh, anyway, so I did the 2016, um, I believe it was uh, Wilmington, the full Ironman, and um, there was a hurricane that came through. Mm. They they cut out half the bike. Wait, now what year was that? I think it was 2016. 2016, you said. Yeah, I remember this. Well, okay, so 2016, they cut out half the bike. Well, 2017, they cut the whole thing out because it got, all got mowed over <laughs> by a hurricane. They just got nailed. So 2016, I think I'm getting these years right. Anyway, bourbon. The, <laughs> um, so we show up, and we're only going to do, it's like 80, whatever it is, 86, whatever the, the mileage is. So you're like, man, we're not doing a four-hour, man. You've trained months and months and months i mean i'm talking the weekends you're doing six hour rides you're doing 100 mile Mm -hmm. rides on saturday you're doing 15 to 20 mile runs before your work day i mean when it comes to full iron man if you have a full-time job you really have to put in a lot of effort so my schedule would be um what happened was monday i would wake up we would run say 10 miles i'd go to work tuesday swim a mile, two miles, go to work. Wednesday, uh, run 12 to 13, say 15 miles, go to work. Thursday, wake up, swim, you know, one, one and a half miles, go to work. And then Friday, we would run. Friday was our long run, usually, and we'd run, you know, whatever it was, like 19 to 20 miles, whatever. I don't know, whatever we had to run because we had to get ready for a marathon. Mm-hmm. Then Saturday was our big bike ride. Uh, I'm sorry, so I didn't add that in. So Tuesday and Thursday was we ride in the evenings, which was about 30 to 40 miles every evening. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot of time to do anything. So then Saturday you would put in 50, 60 to 100 miles, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was this was monotonous. This is the 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 training that you have to do to to get to full Ironman because you got to be prepared to get there. So the training is what sucks. The day of the race doesn't suck. If you're prepared for the race, you're going to have a good race. But the training is it's it's grueling. So it was good for me to have all those people I named earlier to be a part of my group to mm-hmm. help me and uh, you know to get me there um, and to have me just just you know succeed in what i did um but there were so many long long days of just grueling for the full the full iron man which is 140.6 this is mm-hmm. huge this is massive right mm-hmm. crazy yeah so anyway so that got cut short so the joke was we weren't full iron man that year i remember that right and I think I actually made fun of you, you over did. that. You uh, did. You said s- you're some form of a loser or something. Right. So, you, <laughs> you cut, yeah, everybody cut me short. Um, <laughs> you're short enough as it is in stature. I am. I am. So, the following year, I was like, oh, not going to happen. Yeah. So, I signed up for Louisville, the full Ironman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also did a... a I did a uh, half in between there um, to, to get to that. And so I did Louisville. And there was a training run um, that year. It was five weeks before the race. And we were on the 19-mile training run. It was before work. Mm-hmm. We were running. And I was at mile three. And it was just Mark and I. And I felt this really 
severe pain in my left shin. And I was like, oh, it's, the, it's probably a shin splint. Never had one before. I didn't know what it felt like. Mm-hmm. But, I was like oh. but I ended up limping through 19 miles of this run. Maybe 20. But anyway, it was a long way. So I get done, and it swells up. It's bruising and all that. So I'm like, oh, man, I think I have a stress fracture. And I go, and they're like, no, you have a stress reaction. It's not a stress fracture. They actually the MRI and all that jazz. So they're like, you can't run. I was like, well, I got to train. They're like, no. So <laughs> five weeks before this full Ironman, I didn't run. Nothing. Ooh. Nothing. D- couldn't run. Nothing. I could cycle, whatever. So three weeks before the Ironman, I go to the gym. I pick up a 70-pound weight to do, like, reverse, or, I mean, to to do, um, uh, what's I doing? Lat pulls. Mm-hmm. And I started having back spasms. So I went down with that. So I was literally, I went from five weeks out to training for a full Ironman, healthy as can be, to can't walk. Like, I couldn't walk. Like, I was, like, literally paralyzed. I was crawling. I couldn't walk. And I was like, I have a full Ironman in two weeks. Full. So I sucked it up. Um, I laid around for two weeks. Uh, I went to Louisville. And my What did you do medically? Did you take a bunch of steroids? I took I took a, a Medrol dope, dose pack. Yep, I did. Mm-hmm. Did you get any injections or anything like that? I did like not. That? None of no. that. None of that. I just did the Medrol dose pack. I took um, ibuprofen around the clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just rested. And I remember actually before that, it was kind of funny. Uh, Torn and I went to, um, was it that race? It might have been a different one. I think that was the one before. Anyway, so we went down to Louisville to, to race. And um, I had a you know, brace on my, my shin, like my tibia, because it was, you know, it was ready to fracture. And I was having <laughs> back spasms. And I did, I, I finally completed the whole thing. I finished it. It was like 12 hours and 30 minutes or something like that. What did your form look like? It Were you just like <laughs> wobbling all over the place? Well, it's kind of funny you ask. <laughs> uh, so, and I'm going to, a lot of people don't know this story um, because I kept it to myself. Um, <laughs> now, seriously, I jumped in the water, you know, we were swimming and I have a wetsuit on, you know, I feel pretty confident. All you got to do is make it up around the island and then just all downstream. But I jumped in the water, and I was like, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And all of a sudden, like, anxiety hit. Like, I'm going to have a back spasm in the water. I'm not going to be able to move. I'm not going to be able to do whatever. And I'm swimming, and all of a sudden, I can't. Like, it, I'm out of, at, like, breathing, heart rate, everything's out of control. I'm like, I, I just mm. can't do it. So I swim up. They have kayakers out everywhere. And I swim up to this lady. She was like an angel. <laughs> Swear, dude, she's like an angel. She, she what did she do? Did she give you an Ativan? She had, <laughs> she had the sweetest accent. She had an English accent, by the mm-hmm. way. It was very sweet, and she was she was telling me to calm down. She's like, "You're fine. You trained for this. Breathe." What, mm-hmm. Like, why are you upset about that? Don't worry about it. Whatever. I hung on to her little kayak for like a minute, but before that, I was thinking. I'm going to swim to the shore and I'm going to climb out because I'm freaking out. Like I'm freaking mm-hmm. out. I'm going to die in this water. I'm going to die. But then in my mind, I was thinking, my son's here. I can't let him down. I can't let my kid down. Yeah. And so she taught me out. Like taught me down. It was weird. I wish I knew this chick's name. I mean, she was just the, the best. And so after that, I put my head down and I swam like I knew how to swim. Um, and I swam out. I got on the bike. I biked 112 
And I remember bending over and I was thinking, when I stand up, it's going to be stiff because I've been down here for five and a half hours, Mm -hmm. you know, in the same position. So I started the run and, um, and I remember telling my son, I was like, dude, I'll see you in like five hours. And it ended up being way shorter than that. But so I finished my four Ironman in Louisville, which they have canceled since because this blue algae stuff in the water and then probably the China virus and everything else. But it is the greatest, greatest uh, finish line in all the Ironman. I have no idea what this is. Are you going after some wild turkey 101? I'm going with Wild Turkey 101. I have no idea. High rye bourbon. Yep. That's what I'm doing. I'm gonna I do, think you're going to like that. I'm going to do a finger. I think you're going to like it. Give her a finger. So, and, we're, uh, <laughs> and we're pouring this into uh, the the solo clear cups. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> oh, it's very, very high tech here. Oh, that's hilarious. So so after that, um, our whole team, the Tri-Mafia team, remember the whole Tri-Mafia team we mm-hmm. started? We went to all Louisville. And that we came from all over the country and we all competed. We actually be, we were champions in our group or our um, uh, competition group, whatever it was like, I don't know, ABC, whatever it was. But anyway, Mm -hmm. we as a group were champions. Like we were champions as in. Awesome. Yeah. So with all of our times combined, we have enough athletes to be the champions of the uh, Ironman Louisville, which is great. So that was my first actual full Ironman um, since a lot of people want to question me on the Ironman. So I've done two fulls. One got cut 50 miles short on the bike because of a hurricane. And uh, the other was you know, fine. So we're going to go to um, 2019. Mm-hmm. Last year. Last year's a funny year. So last year... My best friend moved away to Norway. Mark, he was my training buddy. He was gone, so I was thinking I need to, you know, I need to train hard. I got a lot of races coming up, but he told me, he's like, you know what, I signed up for Virginia, and I signed up for Virginia. I was like, all right, man, and all of us locally signed up for Virginia. Virginia, where at? Uh, it was, Jesus, Ironman, Virginia. Where was it at? Um, God, I don't remember, honestly. It was. Oh, I, I mean, it wasn't like Virginia Beach. No, no, it was. Um, can't think of it. I can't think of it. No, it's okay. Anyways, Iron Man, Virginia. I can't remember. So we show up there, and he comes in from Norway. We do our run, our rides, you know, the warm up stuff and all that. Well, mm-hmm. this is where it gets funny. So <laughs> the so Mark and I we have this thing where we we we're drinkers um and we drink before our triathlons and we're like those guys that can drink all the way up to the point of running and biking whatever. Well, 2 days before the event um I somehow get super sick and I and so I like something's wrong with me. I feel like something's wrong. So I wake up the next day, the day, this is the day before the event. So we go out and we do a practice swim. I put on my wetsuit and I was like, man, I don't feel right. And I swim and I, we do our thing out in the ocean or whatever, intercoastal way, whatever it was. And I come back and I was like, all right, man, I feel, I feel good. I think 
I feel good. <laughs> so we go on a run, and uh, we have uh, Sarah Kay and Dom, who another uh, person who's actually been involved in our uh, triathlon group, but uh, she's from Slovakia. She moved back there since. Um, so anyway, so she and I and and Sarah and Mark were running. Well, <laughs> I'm like struggling to run this three miles that we had to run just to warm up. And I run over to the bushes and I yak. Like I throw up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, am I, there's no way I'm hungover. There's no way I didn't drink this much. There's no way. There's something wrong. Well, so I, I puke it up and I was like, oh God. So I, I catch up with everybody. I was like, ah, I just threw up in the bushes. So anyway, we come back and, and so we're running and we get back and I'm like, you feel better? I was like, yeah, I feel, I feel better. So we go out to lunch and um, I don't have a beer. Usually I'm drinking beers and everything the day before. I don't drink anything. Mm-hmm. so that night i look over mark's eating beef sticks and drinking beer like it's hilarious and he has a fedora on it which is even stupider <laughs> so he's sitting there watching this hockey game and i'm sitting there thinking man i don't feel right at all something's wrong with me we lay down in the bed i like literally lay down and i'm like my stomach catches on fire like oh my god so i go in the bathroom and i'm puking all night. So it's mm-hmm. a, this is the night before a race, like the mm-hmm. half Ironman. I am puking my guts out, like just yakking my guts out. And to the point where I'm keeping people awake at night. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, it's, I don't know what to do. I don't do. So I wake up in the morning, and they wake up in the morning like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. They're like, you should set this one out. I'm like, I can't. Oh, yeah, only a lesser man would A lesser man would set this out. So I was like, I can't set this out. Uh, because if you back it up a year before that, uh, my first race of the year, I disqualified in the swim because uh, I almost drowned in Lake Erie. That's a different story. That's the only time I almost drowned. Anyway, let's move on to this one. So I say, <laughs> I say, let's do this, right? So here we go. So I'm riding shotgun with everybody piling the car, curse drive, and we're going to, and I can't put the seatbelt on because I know I'm going to throw up. I get to the check-in. I put all my stuff in, and everybody keeps telling me, man, set this out, dude. Set this out. I was like, and I, I want to make all world. I want to make, like in my mind, I'm thinking, I want to make all world. I want to be all world in Iron Man, like get an award. Yeah, I want, I want that. Mm-hmm. And I failed the last two years because of injuries. So I was like, I, I, no, I'm not going to do it. I can't hold any liquid down. There's no breakfast in my system. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing in my body. So I go over and I check my bike in and I'm looking and everybody's around. I was like, oh, I'm going to walk back to the car to get my wetsuit. I had to go back because I had to throw up. Dude, I went beside the car and I was pouring everything on my body. And I heard Kurt say, oh, he's puking. He has a New Jersey accent. He's like, oh, he's puking. And Mark and him were standing behind me. And I look back and I'm like, dude, what? And they're like, oh, he puked up all the meds he just took. And I was like, dude, was like, can, I, can I get this out? So anyway, I puke it up, put on my wetsuit. I stumbled down. The only thing that I had was an insurer that Torn gave me. Oh, sweet. So I guzzled this thing. I'm walking to the start of the swim. And -hmm. I look at Patrick, and I'm like, dude. Because Patrick, he always pukes in salt water because you can't tolerate it. And I was like, how do you puke without getting disqualified? Do you stop and puke? He's like, oh, no. You can't tread water and puke because if you tread water and puke, they'll they'll pull you. You got to swim. You got to stroke and puke. And I was like, oh, Okay. So I go, and dude, it's like liquid coming out of my butt, right? Like totally out of my butt. 
And I go to the, and I'm like, oh gosh. So I get in line to get in the water and then the gun goes off and I'm like, all right, here we go. And I was swimming. I was swimming. I was about halfway through and it hit me. I had to puke. And I was thinking, I can't try water mid-stroke. Puke water, <laughs> stroke, puke water. I don't know who was behind me if you're hearing this. It was Iron Man, Virginia, and I puked on you. So anyway, puked, and they were just <laughs> swimming through it. And well, it's I, okay because, like, fish pee in the water all day. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And I was just chumming the water. Yeah. So all the insure I had was gone. So, I, dude, I can't even – I get to the dock, and I roll on it like a, like literally a fish out of water. And I get up, and I'm walking. And all the, the people we knew that were there, like spectators, like, come on, run, run. I'm like, I'm, I, I can't run. I can't. So I get on my mm. bike, and then I'm like, I'm on my bike. I feel good. And I take off on the bike, but then I think, I can't fart, because if I do, I'll shit myself. <laughs> but if I burp, so, I'm going to puke everywhere. So oh I can't do either. Gosh. 56 miles of pouring rain. And and crazy route, by the way, um, to get to where I needed to go. And I was like, man, I can't do that. So all these people that were like mowing by me in the swim. So I got past minus Sarah and Mark. I passed, I think, everybody on the bike. And I got into transition. And they all show up. And I'm laying on my back, like laying in on the ground. <laughs> Keep in mind, I had no nutrition the whole day. Mm-hmm. I just swam 1.2 miles, 56 miles on the bike. No food, no liquid, nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm laying there. And Patrick's like, Reese, you going to get up? And I was like, I don't know if I can, man. I don't know if I can. And I was like, oh, I better get up. So I get up. So I was like, oh, 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 something's about, oh. Something's about ready to happen. Oh. So I'm going to tell a lot of people out there listening, this is how it works in triathlon. If you have the, the, the go, the gusto to get this done. So I ran to the Scotty Potty. I ended up running a mile in transition back at my mile. Like that's how far trans to the Scotty party. So I run there. This is a little TMI I run there. I know it's, I know it's coming. I try to pull it down. No, I crap myself. Oh, liquid nitrogen, liquid, <laughs> oh, <laughs> liquid poo poo. <laughs> True story. So that's the one I was looking for. <laughs> so listeners out there, let me ask you this. If you would have shat yourself in the middle of a transition of an Iron Man, half Iron Man, would you have stopped? Would you have turned it in? Would you have said, Hey, I've already finished the swim and the bike and said, No, I'm not gonna run. I have no nutrition. I just shit myself. I'm a mess. No, you know what I did? I packed some wet wipes. I ran back to the transition, ran back, cleaned myself up, took off. I was like, I don't care if people smell me or not, because you know what? I'm finishing this damn race. And in the end, I ended up finishing it under six hours, which under six hours is pretty decent for a half Ironman. So I finished it with poopy pants, and when I finished, I threw up again. And it wasn't hmm. until I went to Mexican that night because of Cinco de Mayo. I remember it now. Cinco de Mayo. Mm-hmm. I uh, ate some chips and uh, it sat on my belly. And then after that, I was fine and dandy. It was some bug, but then I realized I ate about 50 oysters the, nice, the night before. That's what made you sick. <laughs> yes. I guarantee it. One of them got I've me. Been, I've been sick from oysters a couple times in my life. Yeah. The the most memorable one, uh, I was a resident um, 
in anesthesia in Pittsburgh, we went to uh, this local restaurant for a journal club thing, or or maybe it was like the 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 regional society of anesthesia. I can't remember, but there was oysters on the menu, mm-hmm. raw oysters, and I ate a shitload of them. Oh yeah, and my stomach just rumbled the whole meeting. Takes one seriously, and and I farted a few times, <laughs> and it was okay. And I hopped in the car afterwards and drove home, and I didn't make it two miles up uh, I-79 there. (laughs) And I pulled over the side of the road, sat my ass down on the guardrail, and shit all over the place. And I had to wipe myself off with my shirt. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was awful. The fact that you used the guardrail as a uh, toilet was very, very creative. (laughs) Dude, yeah, that's pretty good. Only because it was there. I um, mean, that's that's good. I've just I just try to squat, not hit shoes, uh yeah. many a many a time. Uh, especially mountain biking. Yeah. You get out there, you don't know what's going on. I've I've had a second uh second episode with those oysters. Um I didn't shit, but like I just felt I felt like I had to puke mm-hmm. the whole night. And I probably would have, except I just suppressed it. Um you know, like you've like you've trained yourself to do with all those drunks you've been on in your career. Um, yeah, no, seriously. I, and but then in hindsight, maybe it was because I was drunk. I, it I might have been because you know what? You get liquid. Uh, you get uh, God Montezuma's revenge. Like a lot mm. of times you drink, dude. Especially oysters. Come on, come on, come on. Let's well, get, wait, wait. Let's get back. Let's. Uh, I was going to say, let's get back to this year because this year oh, okay. turns into crazy, right? Oh, sure. Let's go. So 2019. Um, <laughs> so so this this race, I finished it. 100% finished it. Shit myself. Uh, threw my stuff away. Uh, finished the race. Shit myself. And it was awful. But then I had two more races uh, set up for this, for this year. Uh, I had Maine and I had Wilmington set up for this year. So I go down to the beach with my son, uh, you know, the jewel of the East Coast. I go to uh, mm. North Myrtle. And we I'm, refer to that as the southernmost point in West Virginia. It is definitely yeah. the southern. It's, it's, yeah, it's annexed. <laughs> they threw it down there. It's all, all West Virginia down there. So, so we go down there, and uh, I'm helping him, like, kind of train running, you know. It's like just me and him, and I was just wanting to run on the beach, and. I had just ran 10 the day before, and so he and I were just jogging, like literally like, like a light jog, mm-hmm. and I felt this pain in my right knee, and I was like, medial. I was like, oh, it burns, and that burn, it didn't pop and nothing. It just felt like a super burn, so I was like, hey, let's walk it back, and he looked at me. He's like, why are we walking? Because he knew that I was kind of a hard ass on him, and I was like, ah, da, da, da. and so anyway, I sit down, and I put ice on it, and he was like, what are you doing? I said, my knee hurts real bad. Turns out I ended up tearing my meniscus in my right knee. Damn, dude. Yep. So instead of having surgery to, you know, ruin the rest of my Ironman triathlon season, my half Ironman, I was like, I will run and bike through this because I can bike and swim with no pain. I have to run through it. So mm-hmm. I went to Maine. So keep this in mind. I didn't train running at all. I didn't. I didn't through any of these uh, next mm-hmm. two Ironman. I didn't run um, like Hurt my group. Much, and I, right. Yeah. 
It hurt. So when I got, I, I cycled a lot, I swam a lot, but so I put two knee braces on, um, and I ran, uh, the races. Uh, so I ran main, uh, under six again, and my times actually got faster, which is weird. So it got faster in Maine, and then Wilmington was the last one, and it got faster there. So it turned out that I ended up, I, I did reach my goal, which was making all-world mm-hmm. athlete, and I got um, bronze in all-world. So it's the, the top 5% in your age group, and uh, Ironman of all the world. And Damn, dude. So Yeah, so I earned that, and I was, so when you get all-world, you get like, certain perks um for the next year you can mm-hmm. like skip line you can do this you do that but now all 2020 <laughs> shut down so i'm hoping that they will trans carry over yeah, to 2021 yeah, send yeah, that hopefully. over because no one raced this year so it's like dude mm-hmm. you won't give me my thing and that was the thing so i went from nothing to you know right there in the in, yeah in the second place uh range um of uh or whatever it is was it silver? Did I get silver? I might get silver. Silver? Either way. Nailed it. <laughs> and, yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I worked through it. I ran through it, and it hurt like hell. But uh, I guess the moral of that story is anybody can do this through pain, through suffering, no matter what. If you're able to move, move. You've told me this before. Move. move. Keep going, even if it hurts. Yeah, it's something like that. No, it's if you're breathing, you're moving. Yeah, right. And uh, well, I mean, one, one is always breathing. Yeah, but if unless you're, they're dead. Well, if you're yeah. if you're actually able to physically move. <laughs> but anyway, that was. It's a good uh, good anecdote. I'm glad to hear about someone shitting their pants, um, and then completing the race. I, I feel like. Um, this is an underreported phenomenon. <laughs> Probably people uh, they piss themselves a lot. Shitting their shit pants, them, shitting themselves is I, different. And I feel like this is probably a distinctly male uh, I ev- don't, event. Chicks are gross. <clears throat> Do they oh. probably shit themselves all the time? They just don't admit it. Well, no, I. So um, this is completely unrelated to any fitness activity or running or biking or swimming or anything. Mm-hmm. This is um, last Christmas. I went to uh, my in-laws. And before going to the in-laws, uh, my wife had been sick. My twins had been sick you know, with diarrhea and stuff and throwing up. And I just thought to myself, like, oh, I, I must have missed out on this. I must have been immune. Which happens a lot because I, I think I'm exposed to a bunch of germs, right? So I feel inoculated. like inoculated. I, yeah, I'm inoculated or I'm I'm immune already. Right. <clears throat> Turns out I wasn't. So we we're at my in-laws and um, eating Christmas dinner. This is I think it was the day after Christmas. I can't remember, but it was Perry Christmas holiday, mm-hmm. and uh, I started feeling bad. Started feeling real bad. Uh had to stop eating and i know that everyone looked at me and said oh my god what's wrong with him he's not eating christmas dinner <laughs> and i went to the bathroom at my in-laws and shit my brains out and you know how awkward it is to go to someone else's place and shit right not for you no even for me 
And so I remember uh, I came out and I told I told my wife, I told Megan, I said, listen, I, I'm sick. We need to go. I said, I just shit my brains out in your parents' bathroom. <laughs> she said, okay, okay, we'll pack everything up. And I said, you know, and uh, here's the thing. I feel so bad that uh, I need you to drive. I never have Megan drive anywhere, mm-hmm. ever, ever. And it's not, it's not I don't trust her. It's just like, I don't know. I like to be in control, and I think she doesn't mind to give it up. Mm-hmm. But I said, I need you to drive because I feel absolutely like dirt. Well, it's close to an hour drive from her parents to here, to the borderlands. Uh, and I made it almost mm-hmm. to the borderlands. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> We had just turned on the road uh, coming down here, and I, I looked at Megan, and I said... You were doing the shit dance, weren't you? Uh, we were, like, literally a thousand yards from here, and I said, Megan, pull over right now. I need to sh- I need to vomit. And uh, so she pulled over, and I hopped out from a passenger seat, and I, and I proceeded to puke my guts out. But with all that uh, abdominal activity, uh, I also <laughs> shit my brains out. And I remember looking over my shoulder at her and I said, oh, poop stories are the best. I said, I said, baby, I've shit myself too. <laughs> She's like, no, that's okay. that's okay. And I, and I, so, so I kept puking. I kept shitting and then get this, then get this. So we're on this one lane road, uh, coming in here. You, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. I know what about. And a car comes up behind oh. us. Beeping its fucking horn oh, and like if you need to help. yelling out the window <laughs> like butt. what's wrong with you? And Megan sticks her head out the window saying he's he's sick. What the fuck's wrong with you, you asshole? Oh, yeah. Something like that. So anyways, I I get done. There's puke all over my the front of my pants, all over my shoes. There's shit <laughs> down my pants, uh, down into my shoes. <laughs> And I told her, I said, "I'm baby, I'm just going to walk home. I'm just going to walk home. It's not that far. And she said, oh, it's, it's so cold outside. It's December. You can't, you can't walk home. It was the fucking driveway. She, she, no, no, no. This is, no, it wasn't the driveway. It was before the driveway. Oh, okay. She digs in her car somewhere and finds a freaking full trash bag. For me to sit on. That is awesome. So I sit on this trash bag and uh, make the the ride home. <laughs> walk over. And get home. And she takes care of the twins. <laughs> and I walk with my head hung down low <laughs> into the bathroom. I strip down everything. I throw, I throw all my clothes into the soak tub, into the jacuzzi tub, and just hop in the shower. Um. But to the but to this day, that's like my worst shit story. But the thing is, I tell people, good thing I'm married to a nurse. No doubt, right? Yeah. Any other, a woman in any other profession would have just been like, fuck you, you're going to walk home. Oh, they would have kicked you to the curb, bro. And, and they would have not even taken care of me. But yeah. it's got to be a healthcare. She's a nurse. It's got to be a healthcare. Yeah, it's a healthcare order. thing. She said, no, you're riding in the car. We'll find, and we'll find a way. Yeah. So I can relate to you shitting your pants 
That, that's the moral of this but, story. But when you, when you uh, shit yourself, did you run 13 miles after that? Uh, well, here's the thing. It felt like it. <laughs> because, well, because all the vomiting I did and everything, it felt like it was a whole workout. Like, my whole body was rocked. Yeah. Now, I know that doesn't compare with your, <laughs> your running a freaking marathon, whatever. <laughs> well, that's my shit, my pants story. And I actually heard... <laughs> get this i heard someone say the other day that every guy shits his pants at least once a month (laughs) now now once a month i think that's pretty freaking frequent but once a year yeah i'll own up to that i will not um of course you wouldn't you're gonna deny it no i would never dude i've I've just told you my shit myself story that's it i've never shit my i think it was joe rogan said once a month christ once a month what is wrong with you he said he he described eating this his carnivore diet or something it makes him shit his brains out there's no way i can't remember no way i have no 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 i want to go back to uh i want to go back to earlier on early in our conversation I, i looked this thing up on the internet oh here we go vapor fly shoes have you heard of the vapor fly? Uh, actually, I have. Yeah, that's the that is the shoe that gives you four percent advantage. And I, and well, you I, know what? It gives you four percent if you are uh, if you were like ninety pounds vapor fly, ninety pound person. No, th- so th- this article says. Uh, and so this is from the business insider i've got to cite this i guess mm-hmm. nike vapor flies uh dot 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 says both independent and nike sponsored studies have confirmed that the shoes increase athletes energetic efficiency by four percent or more mm. which yields significant dividends in marathon length di- distances yeah, so clearly not for the short run, but in the long run. Um, right. But what about the other? I bet the other shoes have uh, research on those. I'm a Hoka guy. Well, no, I, I just brought this up. I can't even remember how we, why I brought this up, but. Um, yeah. Uh, no, we, we were talking about. It. I, oh, no, we were talking about how you could buy you could time buy, yeah, on buy a time, bike. Yeah. And, maybe, and I suggested maybe you can buy time in the running, too, if you had the right shoes. And I, here's another quote from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, folks, this is from Business Insider. It's, this is, and I quote, Jake Riley, an American runner who finished ninth in a 2019 Chicago Marathon, said the Nike Vaporfly four percent shoes feel like quote running on trampolines uh, that's pretty fucking smooth running on trampolines yeah that is smooth i may have to try to that like, takes that takes a lot of uh impact off of your feet and your ankles and your it, knees and it, stuff it does but is this guy sponsored by nike uh just yeah, jake yeah he was uh sponsored but I, like i said before the other article mm-hmm. i read which i think was on my cell phone which so it was probably an apple news thing yeah apple news reported that there were other there were runners sponsored by other products who wore these shoes but spray painted them black so no one could tell they were yeah which you is know, weird. so these adidas or, or 
Does Adidas have running shoes? I don't know. Or Brooks. I know Brooks. Brooks, Adidas, Asics, uh, Hoka. Yeah. So all these other people put on these Nike shoes, but spray painted in black so no one could tell they were wearing Nike products. How do the. And they were were setting records, apparently. Mm, It was like that year that. You remember when Michael Phelps and those guys had those scuba suits on? And oh, had, yeah, I do yeah, remember Yeah, that. it was like, what was that, 14? Yeah, so that was, mm, well, I, I can't remember the year. I think it was 2014. It was 14 even? No, uh, no, uh, it was before uh, that. Olympics year? No, it was before that. It was before that. It was uh, 20, <sighs> shit. 2010? It wasn't 20 shit. That's not right. 2006? Yeah, 2006? 20, 2006, I think it was 2010. I think you're right. Um, yeah, they were in those those uh, Aquaman suits, and they were breaking off yeah, the record. Yeah, no, I do remember that. Yeah, so I don't know, maybe Nike's on to something, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Nike's Nike. We have, um, I think, nearly exhausted <laughs> your um, the triathlon stories and whatnot. Another topic I, I wanted to get on with you, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure how to fit this in here, but I guess now is as good a time as ever before you pass out on me. <laughs> Let's talk about the Borderlands. Um, I like so, it. I like it. Uh, listeners, uh, what I want you to realize is Chris and I jointly came up with this concept of the Borderlands. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I have to give him most of the credit. He's a very creative guy, Chris is. Um, Thank you, sir. But I think, in my mind, the reason why we settled on this name, the Borderlands, is kind of the, the locale that I'm in. Um, I'm not in the city limits, um, although I have a city address. Um, I'm not quite... In Wayne County, I'm not quite in Cabell County. I'm right <laughs> on the the border of it. You know, I, so I'm, I'm I'm on the edge of the edge of everything is the way I look at it. And I have property, I have acreage that separates me from my neighbors very significantly. Mm-hmm. So it is the borderlands out here. Borderlands. Uh, what? Uh, tell us, Chris. Like, uh, how did you help? come up with this concept it was a weird idea so oh um denning and i uh we brew beer uh once upon a Mm. time (laughs) gosh that was actually you know you know what that's that's gonna be the next topic of conversation we're actually really good at brewing beer together um as a team uh so Mm -hmm. so initially borderlands came up as borderlands brewing because borderlands um it was separated three states um ohio west virginia and kentucky because we're all together and that's how we came up with borderlands i was crossing actually i was crossing i remember this i was crossing the from proctorville which is in ohio uh to huntington uh the bridge over the ohio river and I was thinking of names for our brewery because he and I were in brewery competitions and we're trying to make our, our name. And, and gosh, we were brewing beer back then. Oh my gosh. And we were doing, and we're doing awesome beer, like really good mm-hmm. beer. 
And so, and I'm looking at our apparatus right now and how it's just collecting dust and it's really heartbreaking because it, it, dude, we need to fire that thing up. I feel like it's yeah. like, yeah, like I'm, yeah, I'm like, man, we need to fire that thing up, dude. It needs some work. So, um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, we need to work Ouch. on this. Yeah. So, so I was traveling across um, the suspension bridge from Proctorville to Huntington, and I texted him. It's like, dude, what about Borderlands? Borderlands Brewing is a great idea because it's all the all the uh, areas that are around us because we're on the border, and um, it worked out well for that. And now, what he just explained is, um, you know, where he is now. It's kind of you know in between counties and things. But yeah, Borderlands is kind of like our thing, and we need to get into the brewing aspect of this, and maybe we can have a podcast on the brewing aspect. Oh, we it. definitely will. Yeah. That, that's something for the future, yeah. for sure. Yeah, is to talk about brewing beer and uh, perhaps oh. making whiskey, distilling whiskey. That poor Sabco. That poor Sabco. Well, I'll tell you what i I've used I used one of those uh, Sabco kettles recently for. To do a shrimp boil in. Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude, you ruined it. No, I didn't ruin it. No. I'll Why would you do that? No, the boil? A, it was the biggest kettle I had here. The boil? Yeah. Oh, you. Boy. No, actually, I, I, I used the hot liquor tank for it. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's why it's not there. Yeah. Why did yeah. I, why was I not invited to the hot shrimp? shrimp no, it was uh, for Megan's father's birthday. Was it up um, up near Point Pleasant? Yeah, I, you're such an asshole. Man, we had, <laughs> oh, we had a good time. I good bet time. you did. I'm glad I was invited. Your Borderlands Brewing partner. It's been gone the best. Anyway, yeah. So that's so we got to fire this thing up. Where is it at? Where's the kettle? I think it's over uh, in the garage portion. Okay, so we still basement. have it. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't throw it away. Jesus, those things are like. Four or five hundred bucks. I know, man. When we go fire that up, I don't know. We need to have. You know, my life has taken a uh, huge turn in direction. I can't imagine uh, why. Well, no, it's it's. <laughs> I, I you're probably going to point out that I got married, and I had twins. But I really, it's this new job I have in Charleston. Yeah, um, that sucks. I'm hardly ever in Huntington. I don't like that new job. Well, I do. Well, that's fine that you do, but I don't. Cause they took my friend. Well, it's a good job. It's a it's at a better hospital. I don't want to get into that because. You know what? So <laughs> there were a time where your host, uh, Denning, and I worked together, and. Uh, there were situations of life and death. <laughs> oh, gee. And um, of a person, like a real person, life and death person. And um, I feel like I'm pretty, I'm versed in my uh, ability of what I need to do and how I need to save a life and do whatever. But I feel like I went well with his skill as being a doctor. And I think we did well when it came to saving lives. And we did a few of those. Um uh, where we work together and man we saved that. lives every i miss day. that i really do miss that i miss i miss the, the fact that you were a really good physician to have around whenever we got to the nitty-gritty of saving an actual human life we're talking human beings here not 
not animals, not plants, none of this. This is like real life stuff, and we actually um, did well at it. And I'm just saying that. I'm not saying anything else, but yeah, we did good, buddy. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, man. Um, I like to think that I'm a, a good critical thinker. You are, and I think that's what that's what one needs in uh, mm-hmm. in the surgical services. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, but I think I bring that home too. Oh, yeah. I'm a critical thinker here in the house. Um, I've got to tell folks my COVID story is uh, I, I haven't had, I haven't had that much time off. I, I had a week or so off at the beginning when they told me that they didn't need me mm-hmm. at work. Uh, but all I did was just stay home and sleep in every morning. I didn't do much. Now, actually, this is very interesting. So I've had the I, – I was off of work last week, and I'm off of work this week. So two weeks back-to-back. Back. That's very unusual for us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, this came about because one of my colleagues was set to run the Boston Marathon. Oh, yeah, and the cancellation uh, stuff. Well, whenever the fuck it was supposed to happen initially. Yeah, I don't remember. And then it was rescheduled, mm-hmm. and uh, but the week it was rescheduled for was one of these two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I traded this guy uh, one of my weeks in October or something. Okay. So I so I can't I can't remember the details. But anyways, then it turned out that the Boston Marathon is not happening. Period. Right. China. And everyone said, well, uh, <laughs> Dunning, do you want to just give back the vacation? You know, do you want to undo this swap vacation? I said, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to take two weeks off in a row. Yeah, dude. Because I think it's good for the mind. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got some shit done at the house uh, big time. Oh, yeah. And there's still a few days left on this vacation. I will complete more stuff here. What I want to do is get more people in an interview. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I think you and I had talked earlier. I, I'm still working on another brother of mine. Mm-hmm. I'm working on our buddy A, A, Ron. Oh, yeah? I think uh, maybe I'll get him tomorrow. Okay. And uh, in... I think I've intimated to you. I've I've got a list of people, including Mark. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can even talk to Michelle. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Everyone's got a story to tell, mm-hmm. and I think um, that's what this Borderlands broadcast uh, or broadcast podcast. <laughs> I misspoke there. Uh, drunken slip, perhaps. And that's, that's what this. Uh, that's Borderlands what this Borderlands. That's what this Borderlands podcast is about, is just talking to people, getting their voices out, um, getting opinions out. You know, we're we're not a political podcast or a social podcast, we're just just talking. Just talking. And uh we've had a good we've had a good conversation with Chris tonight, and I think we're gonna wrap it up here. Chris, I really appreciate you coming out. Uh I appreciate your insight. It's been too long since I've seen you, mm-hmm. and uh, I really enjoy having you out oh, again. Um, 
We're gonna have this. So, they're gonna have this brew pop. Uh, is there anything else that you would say in closing, or anything else you want to go over? Actually, there is. Okay, I've been let's storing, have it out. I've been storing this up. Ooh. To listen here oh gosh do i need to mute your microphone <laughs> no, I'm just no i'll leave you on i'll leave you on nah, i'm kidding i'm kidding okay. uh, what i want to say is like seriously like when it comes to triathlons when it comes to working out when it comes to just bettering yourself just remember there is someone out there that is physically literally unable to do what you can do like they have a physical problem that they can't there's been a run or two that I've been on. I've seen somebody like in a wheelchair and I'm thinking, you know what? They can't run this. They probably want to run this. I've been on a hike before. Actually, recently I was in Mount Mitchell um, and I was hiking. And I was, was, if you guys don't know Mount Mitchell, it's in North Carolina. It's the highest uh, peak. Apparently this, you know, east of the Mississippi, 6,668 feet, I believe. But when I was hiking it, I was I was thinking, you know, I was having my weird little back spasms, another story, but I had like these braces on, but I was like, I'm doing it because there are people sitting in wheelchairs. There are people sitting. There are people that are unable to do these things. They can't see what you can see. They can't go and venture and, and enjoy what you can adventure into and find all these weird little worlds out there when you can just accomplish the physical goals that you accomplish. So just do it. Just, you know, enjoy what you have. Take advantage of what you have. Take advantage of the fact that you can even walk and and do it because a lot of people can't do these things. A lot of people can't. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of issues out there and be, you know, and thankful for what you got and, and just take advantage of it. That's all I say. Man, that's a good message. And I think that's that's what you've told me all throughout our relationship, uh, our friendship. You know, obviously, I can't compete to the level that you can. But you've always been encouraging uh, to tell me to do what I can do. Yeah, do what you can. Um, it's a great message, man. And uh, I think we'll sign off with that. If there's nothing else. Well, thank you, uh, Chris, for being here. And I thank you listeners for uh, hearing this podcast and stay tuned for the next one. I make